Welcome to episode 176 of College Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we discuss LSU winning the Men's College World Series, the NCAA making yet another misstep with NIL, we debate the best current sports program in the SEC, and talk Game of the Year odds. You can find the show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com, Apple, and Spotify. Join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday night during the football season at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. And find clips from the show on at SatDownSouth on Twitter, at SaturdayDownSouth on Instagram and TikTok, and at SaturdayDownSouth1 on YouTube. And now, here's the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of College Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, Chris. Chris, it's been a sad weekend. I I mean, I'm not sad, but you know how folks tend to pass away in threes. We've got a sad three trio of SEC legends that have passed away. I want to start the show with this. Yeah, we are. Oh, we're going to bring the mood down quick. R.I.P. Ryan Mallett, for real. Yes. Uh, I guess yeah. he passed away today. Um, I actually have a buddy. So he, he passed away down in Florida. Uh, he drowned, unfortunately. And I have a buddy who's a doctor down in the panhandle of Florida because I guess it was in Destin where it happened. And he said the riptides have been really bad down there. Seven people last week just passed away in Panama City from riptide drowning. So, gosh, just sad to hear that. Uh, young, he was only 35 years old. Uh, yeah, the D-line coach from Texas A&M, Terry Price, only 55 years old, passed away, legend in that program. And then uh, Bobby Osborne. You remember Bobby, right? I don't know. I'm not trying to. It's <laughs> Why would you say it like that? Hail, brother, me and Bobby. So Bobby I mean, you remember him. Okay, so here's the thing. Bobby Osborne is famous because he sang Rocky Top. And Rocky Top is, I'm going to say it, it's a legit banger. It's it's a really good song. It is. I hate when the band plays it. Especially, yeah. They, what? They played a lot. They played an average. This is like from twenty years ago, but they played an average of thirty-seven times a game. Interesting. It's about thirty-six too many, brother. Um, no, honestly, it's like <sighs> right. I, you could play Rocky Top ten times for me in a span of three and a half hours. I'd probably listen to it eight out of ten times. Regardless, like you said. Hard, like bad things come in threes. Really did not think we were going to start the show with all the negative stuff. Um, but yeah, that was a tough one. I probably should have waited a little bit. Yeah. You want, should we just keep uh, that I want to remind folks. Yeah, we, we can, <laughs> maybe we can edit that out. I don't know. Uh, or maybe we just move it. Um, but uh, I want to remind folks as well, before we get into the actual show here today, we've been hearing a lot of feedback about wanting us to do live podcasts mm-hmm. and, we are definitely getting back to that. Uh, if you heard me in the cold open, we will be recording live reaction uh, pods every Sunday night after the the weekend of games. Probably starting, my guess would be after the first weekend since there will be actual games on Sunday night. Um, but we'll be doing live pods just like we have been doing um, where you guys will be able to have feedback, potentially even chance to join the show. Um, we'll definitely bring back the voicemails. Um, we're just in the process of making the podcast bigger and better right now. And for right now, we're not doing live podcast and it's the off season. It's peak off season right now, even though off season is not a real word. Um, 
we're, we will be going live in the fall, though, just for, for mm-hmm. those of you that, that were wondering. Yeah. All right. LSU. <laughs> yeah, seamless transition. Uh, we're going to pick <laughs> the mood up. It was a, So you said it was a sad weekend. There was a lot of bad stuff that happened today, and obviously throughout the weekend with, with A&M's D-line coach, all that kind of stuff. Um, first off, you're looking live from a brand-new desk which was a tough thing for me to put together and I didn't do it correctly. So did I, you uh, get an ergonomic desk? You, does that mean, what does ergonomic mean? Is that, that's like the money they make from Grimace's birthday shakes. Ger- gergonomic. No, it's kind of like economics, but with uh, like making sure your You're body bad. doesn't, make weird shapes when you sit at the desk mainly what i'm trying to say is it's motorized right you can stand up on it on the first desk? off i'm fine either way not in my on back, the desk. um it's quick crooked like a question mark just like forrest gump anyway um no it's a standing desk because i want to like be able to move around be like shifty you know what i mean like this is like the mm-hmm. jameer gibbs of desks um for one but it's a big desk big desk energy going on right now now here is the fun fact about this desk one it's supposed to like raise from a button to hit on the. I'm smart. Yeah, yeah. You guys know. Um, it doesn't. Only one side lifts. Mm. Also, fun fact. That's, it that's unfortunate. Me, it took me roughly seven hours to put it together. It was a very up and down day for me. Joe Tessitore started following me on Instagram, which was surprising. up and down. Was that a was that a standing desk joke? No, Joe Descator. Up and. Oh no, it wasn't. It was an up and down <laughs> That's good though. That's, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so I put it together in the living room, not in the room it's going to go in, which, as you could mm. probably guess, Tyler, not my best move. Should have definitely done it in the room it's going in. Everyone seemed to know that besides me, which was, again, not a shock. Uh, my favorite comment of the night was from a listener named Darren Sousa, who said, um, Wow, it really seems like you had a tough day. You're going through a lot. Everything except for that door, which was pretty upsetting to, to read via text. Um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> but I put it together. It doesn't work necessarily, but it's a great desk. So that was fun. The College World Series was awesome. Um, it ended like pretty lacklusterly, if that's a word. Uh, but it was fun as shit, yeah. man. It was so much fun. Yeah, man. Um, I went over to producer Dan ha- Dan's house. Uh, to- he's a big LSU guy. Uh, he's been going to LSU baseball camp since he was young. Uh, still goes. Um, <laughs> <kinda> weird. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> they, they do that for like a fantasy camp for men, but they go to it like at, like yeah. the Little Braves fantasy. That would be awesome if you could do that for like a baseball, like a college baseball team. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like a bunch of like forty year old dudes hanging out with uh, you know, twenty two year old Dylan Cruz or however old he is. Uh but no, it was an, an incredible first game. That game was unbelievable game one. Um talk about uh the the pitcher for LSU with what was it, eighteen Ks to set a, a record in the men's world college world series for strikeouts 17. in a game. I mean, just yeah. seventeen, just an incredible uh display from really both sides. I mean Everyone, um, you know, you had the going into last week. We missed we missed recording like like the wake wake LSU series or if you want to call it that because they had to come back and beat him twice was awesome. Um, what I mean, one of the best college world series in general. But like, I mean, fuck, man, like like 
the baseball itself was so fucking good. And watching, watching like that Wake LSU game that went to extras and it was like a zero zero, I think, or a one one tie. It, I mean, that was like as as like I mean, it, it gave me shades of like ninety one Braves, which was the worst, and then Game Seven, all that kind of stuff. But it was just it was incredible all the way around. Mm. The baseball was so good too. How about the in Game One, the absolute scorcher off the bat? I think. I can't remember who it was on Florida, but the guy in, in left field making an unreal catch to save save the game, basically. Um, yeah. I mean, I just like I think that ball was hit over 110 miles power off the bat, and the dude just oh. made it. I mean, he was playing shallow. Yeah, it was game one. 13.7 miles an hour off the bat because I remember. Okay, now I know what you're talking about because I, I when you said left field, I kept thinking about the guy from Wake Forest who was wearing a hat and sunglasses. And yeah, couldn't see pop ups and refused to put the sunglasses actually <laughs> on his fucking face. Just so, the best part it. of that, but for me was was I was watching the game on mute, and they just kept showing the guy. It was clearly he he was he was holding his hand up, and I just I kept showing him. I was like, they've got to be talking about how his sunglasses are just sitting on top of his head right now. They weren't. They were just like, oh, that sun is tough. That sun. What whatever could you do? And he's like. If he, it would not have surprised me at that point if he turned his hat backwards. It was like the most fucking Arkansas fan ever type thing. Just like, hey, old brother. Um, that's probably unfair to Arkansas fans. But uh, so that ball has hit 113.7 miles an hour off the bat. I mean, so he, this is what I loved about it because I, I'll, and I will drop this name because um, I, I very successfully and proudly was finally blocked from Big Game Boomer after I had blocked him, which was, I want to get that out there as well. Just some, just some, I know he's been on the podcast, but just the worst takes of all time. Yeah. And he made some comment about how he's like, this is bad for baseball. And you look at the LSU Florida, like, like, first off, the rivalry in general is awesome. It is, it's awesome. It's like, especially in football, always just crazy stuff that happens. Always super entertaining. Always, always, always super entertaining. Um, they go into the, the finals game one, obviously the best of the, the, the best of three, um, the best game, you know, I think it went into extras. It was like a five, four game, but you have, you have like looking at that matchup, you had the one, two and three overall picks coming up in this, this year's major league baseball draft. You have Tommy white. Who's eligible for next year. Jack Heglione. They, they will probably be in the top five for next year's draft, right? Like yeah. talent everywhere. The pitching was awesome for Florida all year, especially in the playoffs or in the, in the postseason until they got to Omaha, which is very bizarre. Um, but it was just such good baseball and it was so good. And, and two great coaches. The thing that stood out to me the most was the people complaining about LSU and, and Paul Skeens and what a talent Skeens is. I mean, that's the easiest hundred I've ever seen thrown in my life. But mm-hmm. like he averaged for the season, he had his fastball average 99 miles an hour and just like a workhorse. He, he's everything you want in like a top of the rotation go-to guy. Like he could, he could be in the major leagues. I think now. Um, but all that being said, it was crazy. Cause I think the, the takeaway that came out of it for me was you look at LSU, they win their third national title in a different sport since 2019 football, women's basketball and baseball. You obviously have the two they had this year, but all three of those teams were led by what I think will be three number one overall picks in their respective drafts. I don't know where, where angels or, or what's her name. Um, Angel Reese. Yeah, Angel Reese is going to go. But Skeens will go number one. Burrow already went number one. All three of those people were transfers. 
And this day and age of, of college athletics, that's what we're seeing. And it's not something that I think is bad for the sport. It's something like these, this isn't like a lack of like, Oh, they can't develop the talent they bring in. This is just where the sport's headed. And it's a lot of fun, man. It's, it's like, like those three players, they did get developed at LSU. And they also, they, they enhanced and enriched their careers while going to LSU and got to live out their dream. Like, it's, this is like the the poster, not child poster, children. I guess of what you would what you'd want to say in an argument for why the transfer portal is good for college athletics because you had three people that were able to go to a school that ended up being was probably their dream school, making their careers ten times greater than they could have made it at where their previous like school was, won a national championship, and will now go high in in each of their drafts. It's awesome, dude. How did Paul Skeens end up at Air Force? I mean, so he's, it's a lot like Strasburg. The way they talk about it is like he was 91 to 92 and they just started like a new regimen. I mean, because like people forget like Strasburg was like he was the he was the generational pitcher of our lifetime for college yeah. baseball. Oh, San yeah. Diego State oh, yeah. was like 97 to 100. But he went to college. So in 90. And that's what's like that's what stood out most to me was I joke around about this a lot. I'm pretty sure we brought up on the podcast, but like. 90 back in the day is like what got you into college. Like if you threw 90, that was like the whole thing for pitchers. Like, Oh, he throws 90. That, that was the benchmark. Every fucking person throws a hundred miles an hour now. And it is, it's just mind blown. It's the hormones in the chicken for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the craziest thing I think, so the two crazy things that came out of this one skeins never even threw a pitch in the world series in the main you know, game best of three against Florida. Never came in and pitched. The more insane thing to me, though, was the stat. Did you hear them list off the stat about uh, Dylan Cruz getting on base Tommy ahead White. of Tommy White? 684 batting average. <laughs> Dude, Dylan Cruz got on base, I think, 78 straight times 78 to, to end the season. 78 yeah, yeah, sorry. Games. Yeah, 78 straight times would be insane. Yeah, 78 straight games, which means that you're constantly giving that statistic a chance to perform. I mean, I and I honestly, Chris, I think I thought they said it was more like something crazy like 800. No, it was 680 because it, 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 like it was for the first okay. day they brought it up. And then I was like, holy shit. And then it dropped to like 670 something for one day. But like, here's the thing. He he was hitting like 236 with, without him on. And, and they bat one, two in the order. And and that was like that was what was also so crazy was Tommy Tanks had like twenty five like you remember what you remember what the numbers were for Buster Posey when he was in college, his freshman year. Dumb, dumb. I was there. You I were had class with him. I played against him in high school. He was like the most. He was the best shortstop I've ever seen. And then he was like, "Oh, he's gonna play catcher." I was like, oh, "That's stupid," and it worked out for him. But like. Um, <laughs> He, I think he hit like 25 or 27 home runs, had like 80 RBIs, and I was like, holy shit, that's like the best season ever. Now it's becoming almost commonplace. Like, Cags had like 33 home runs, um, you know, like in, in like, you know, 90 or 100 RBIs. Tommy Tanks had 100 some RBIs. But the fact that Dylan Cruz is hitting like 418 and White's behind him hitting 684, that was one of the most absurd stats I've ever seen. It was, like I said, it was so much fun. And we're, we're not even talking about is the numbers they put up at the bar. Oh, my God. Well, do we even know after the game how it finished yes. out? Yeah. Uh, what yes, is, we what do. Is 
68,888. They beat the previous record. Previous by record 50, was 18,000? They beat the previous record by 50,000 shots. They beat the previous record by a quarter million dollars in shots. It, Jeez. It was like, and, and I, that was like, it kind of lost a little bit at the end because it was never a race. It, the, the race was over, like right at the beginning no. of it. But it was so yeah. damn fun to watch because like Peter Burns was there when they broke the record. He has his video go up and it goes all over social media. That was pretty cool. And like the guy from Canes, the one that did it, he bought like 6,000 shots. Um, but the rest of that, the rest of the week, I was like, man, if they, if they win it all, like I, I, I thought there was a legit chance they'd get to a hundred thousand. And, and the fact that they put it at 68,000, first off, 68,888 guys fucking push yourselves 112 more. That's what we're looking for. I mean, why, if you're already there, what are we doing? Bad job. Bad job yeah. by them. Honestly. Yeah. The less I think you got to scratch the record books, start clean next year. I mean, it's just unacceptable. <laughs> this is the steroid um, of, of jello shots. One of my favorite moments from the whole College World Series, actually my uncensored moment of the week, came okay. uh, right exactly when the, the the last strike was called. There's the dude, you know, that had the belt the whole time holding the belt oh, up. That guy was the worst. As soon yeah. as there was a strike three, he had two beers. He he stone cold smashes them together and just starts chugging them as soon as the out hits. And I, I put the link in the notes if you hadn't seen it. It's it's awesome. Um, that guy was the worst. Um, but you know, but between him and uh, no, yeah. so I, I was gonna say I thought that he he had like that guy and then the Florida guy who was there the, for game two was awful, and then he was back for game three. But what was cool too is that it's a twenty seven thousand seat stadium. We had so many of our listeners that were out there. Casey Hansen was out there. My buddy George Simpson was out there. Big Florida fans. Um, they were there for all three games. Oh, our buddy uh, who, who like, I didn't want to DM. I DM'd after the first game or before the first game. And it was like, hey, man, like time to go win a title. All pumped up because he works for the team. But I was like, then I didn't mess with him the next day because I, I didn't want to because I thought it was bad luck. So I haven't talked to him since. But, you know, that was pretty heartbreaking for him. Um we have so many LSU listeners that I love to death. Mickey Sheremy, obviously. Chris Gordy is not a listener, but he's like a co-host at, at times. It was really fun, man. There were so many different people. That, that that really does, I hate to use this cliche, but it really does mean more to like to fan bases from those two schools, but also around that that their conference. So, Yeah, it was a, I mean, granted, game two and game three both got out of hand quickly. Um, yeah. You wish there was a little more drama, but but when you take everything, the whole tournament into consideration, I mean, it's definitely one of the more intriguing World Series that I've watched in terms of college, for sure. Yeah. Um, so congrats to the Tigers. Uh, it got me thinking, Chris. Um, well, we'll talk about it later in the show, but I, I, I wonder who's having the best run right now as far as yeah. athletic programs in the SEC, because there's a couple that have the argument to be made. Um Let's talk a little bit about the NCAA. Would you would you like that, Chris? <laughs> I fucking hate the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, so the NCAA national office, it, uh, this was earlier today, a tweet from Dan Murphy, ESPN, uh, said that the NCAA national office is sending schools some NIL clarifications oh, yeah. today that prohibit some of what is allowed in progressive state laws setting up a potential conflict that would once again test its legal ability to enforce its rules. So let's get into this. 
Yeah. So here's the thing. Basically, fan speak. Like we talked about kind of like last week. This is what this is. This What this means is, and, he, and Dan Murphy breaks it down. I encourage you to go check it out on Twitter because um, this is somebody that actually broke the news and also has like the actual details of it. You can see the, in written form, like what the actual words were. And then he breaks it down line by line in each tweet. But it says, basically, these new rules will force schools uh, in states like Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas to choose between maximizing what their state laws permit and what the incident really allows, like Tyler said. This was directed at A&M, like inadvertently, right? Like without saying it, this is kind of directed at A&M. This is what I've been saying for a really long time is that everyone talks about how like Saban's complaining about this and this coach is bitching about this and blah, blah. they don't want to see kids get paid. At the very least, if you're being objective, it's an unregulated and new program in its infancy that has zero regulations or people that are holding thing, holding people accountable. There are no rules. So even the rules no. they're putting in are from state by state. And this is what, it goes back to the very beginning when NIL first came about because the, the first thing was, and like anything with, especially involving the SEC or Blue Bloods and college football, it's an arms race. And they were, you were seeing this like grab, you know, like land grab from each different state. Like, hey, we got to legalize this. We've got to legalize this. We got to, we got to put this into place. July 1st, it's, it's legal. Make sure we have, we're at the forefront of this. And you only had like five states, I want to say at the very beginning that were, that were legalizing it day one. Louisiana, I think was one of them, but it varied from state to state. It wasn't a national or federal law. Like, mm-hmm. which is an issue because if you're, if you are like, it's legalized cheating, let's just call it what it is. I know Urban Meyer said that and we all kind of laughed about it because it's, it's Urban Meyer and all that kind of stuff. But that's what it is because when you look at what they're doing, it varies from state to state. So all you have to do is make sure that you're abiding by the rules of your state. What's the most important thing in the state of Texas besides not letting women decide what they do with their bodies? Oh. Football. <laughs> Is that too much? So anyway, yeah. so it, it's football. And like you allow, you al- I shouldn't have said that, whatever though. But so you allow, you allow these states like that. And I, th- I think it's good. I want to see players get paid. But you did it at a rate where you made all these extra little loopholes that no one else had in place. And so when you're at a place like Texas A&M and you can have these collectives you're able to be able to pitch things to players and be like, hey, you're going to get paid right at Mizzou. If, if you if you go to a school in Missouri, the moment you sign, even if you're in high school, you can start getting paid right then. No other state had that when they, when they put it into place. So yeah. now you're going from state to state, conference to conference, team to team, and it's different for everybody. And the NCAA wants to come back and play dad again and be like, hey, now we're going to put rules in place. And basically... They were doing this because of AM and Ross Bjork, AM's president, came back with just a metaphorical fucking athletic director. Athletic director. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Athletic director came back with like a metaphorical, just double birds and was like, yeah, we're going to abide by the rules of the state of Texas as he should. And, and basically saying, yeah. like, fuck you. You did nothing for this when you had, they had eight, I'm sorry, they had six years to get ahead of this and they did fucking nothing. And it makes me so mad because they had all the opportunities in the world to do everything for the NCAA and they did nothing. And now we're sitting here and it's a mess. It's a mess. It's like the campaign. Best get your brooms because it's a mess. And it, and you sit here and you're like, well, how are they going to fix it? Well, the NCAA is not. And it, it is, there's not a more clear no. indication of the, the sentiment I think from, from each school and how power five conferences and, and, 
major teams and players feel about the NCAA than what he said, which was like, put whatever rules you want in place. We'll take you to court. We'll do whatever. We're going to keep doing what we're doing because I think he knows, like we all know, the days of the NCAA, like having any kind of say in what goes on in, in NCAA football are, are very, very numbered. Yeah, I. this is, I don't know. It's like the NCAA like trying to take their last stand, and I don't think right. anyone's going to listen to what they're trying to say. Um, now, there does need to be some um, you know, uniform, unilateral rules around NIL. I think we can all agree on that. But the NCAA trying to make those rules at this point means nothing to me, probably means nothing right. to Ross Bjork. It means nothing to anybody, really. And this is just one of the last attempts – failed attempts for the NCAA to get control of football itself. And I just, it's not going to be long before they have no say in what goes on in football. I think we're already there. And and so, and here's the thing too, though, to clear, to, to kind of speak onto that a little bit more, the thing that, that the NCAA is trying to do, I think they're trying to do the right thing. They are. I think they're, they're trying to do what they, what they were put in place to do, which is like run and organize and 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 have their hand over college sports and college athletics and college football is under that umbrella, right? But this is like kind of similar to like, all right, well, it's like it's like a, it's like a dad that ran out on his kid, and I know I always use that example, but like it's like a dad that ran out on his kid, and then it's like now he's about to be an NBA prospect. It's like, hold on, I'm back, I'm back, and like mom took me back, so like like I'm gonna start putting my foot down. You're grounded. Like, no, the fuck, I'm not. I'm 18. I'm not grounded. Like, right. get out. You haven't been here. Like, what's yeah. the last time you've been here? And so with Rosh Bjork saying the state law is going to govern how we do business. And I love the fact that he said business because he meant that word exactly. In terms of this, the state law will mm-hmm. reign and that's how we'll move forward. So see you later. That's exactly Boom. what that meant. And, you know, it's kind of like a, a too little too late situation where I think, as you've said a bunch, the incident play will still be around. They'll, they, like their biggest moneymaker, I think, anyway, was is probably college basketball. But as far as college football, it is about to branch off and be its own entity. You think that's going to be good or bad short term? Long term, I think it'll be fine. I think it's bad either way, to be honest. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, just to be, I mean, because because I think that all of these decisions are being made, and I hate to be negative about it. I think all the decisions that are being made are being made by a select few group. It, it, it reminds me of our government, to be honest. It's like, and I, I'm not trying to get political here by any means, but I think that it's the the good of the whole is being like those rules and or laws you want to say are that are being put into place and the way they're governing this is from a few people who are acting in the interest of a few people or a few programs or a few. The good of the whole is gone. And it will never come back in college sports. It, it is it, in football. It is gone. And you're going to see two massive conferences in five to ten years. You're going to see all of that happen and play out. And in and, and college football, as we know it, it's, it's just it's not dead and it never will be. But it's going to be very different from now on. We knew that. And uh, this is just another another look at why that will be. Um so yeah, it'll be interesting to see the coming, I guess if the letter went out today, we should be hearing some response from other ADs over the course of the next week or so. I think you're going to get probably see the same message from from most yeah. ADs around the country. Thanks, well, it, but and no this thanks. sets the precedent, um, right? Cuz like why would you not at this point? Well, let me ask you a question too. Like what first off, 
do you think it's a good idea or a good thing for the short term and long term? And second question, you can feel free to answer this one before or after the first. Did you notice that when yeah. Ross Bjork said that, or when the NCAA brought up the problems with NIL, did you notice that no one said they were complaining? Is that just reserved for one specific person, or is it just like we just how how are we going to go about using that word and describing the issues with NIL? I'm going to go ahead and answer the first question, uh, okay, which is, um, I, I think in the short term, it's probably going to be a mess if you don't have a plan in place. There there has to be an overriding uh, governing body. I don't think it's going to be the NCAA anymore, but there has to be somebody that's making rules for the good of the whole, like you said. Now, that may mean something completely different when we go to these two giant conferences and maybe those get the, the best treatment, but... Yeah. There has to be almost like a a governing like president or whatever you want to call it over this new organization that will make sure that the rules are applied across the board to everybody. Yeah. Um, and so you're not going to have that in place in the short term. And so I think it could make way for some more frustrating things happening with NIL and other things off the field staff, what whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. Um, but in the long term, I think it's going to be for the betterment of the sport to have a new entity come in and be able yeah. to run things the correct way, which the NCAA does not. I mean, your instincts are always usually yeah. way more correct than mine. So that's fine. I'll take that. So we'll see what happens with this, but um, I think it's going to be much ado about nothing personally. Um, okay. All right. So we mentioned LSU. They won the basketball title for women this year, and they also won uh, football in 19, uh, which I guess we could include in this run. Um, but really, this year in included, I mean, they have the baseball title as well. They've got an incredible gymnastics team that that I know went far, who has got the number one NIL uh, athlete in the in the country. Yeah. Um, so made me think, who's got a better program in the SEC right now than LSU? Sports program in general. So they so they had they have an award for this. You don't get a trophy really? for it, as I reminded a couple Tennessee fans for on. for a mixture of both men's and women's everything. They have they have them for both. So I will I will I will find it right now. <laughs> um, Josh Man, Josh I, I, is is uh is is texting me right now about. Um, damn it, that is not what I wanted. About um, we need to get him on the podcast. He wants to start doing some some collaborative work. Um, and yeah. anyway, so they, they they brought this up on Twitter earlier today, and somebody said this is like this was from the University of Tennessee. They tweeted this out, um, and it's a real thing. Like you know, how they have like the Capital One Bowl, whatever it is. Um, where the hell did it go? Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Sorry, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So. Oh, it was deleted. <laughs> I guess the guy got dragged enough. But basically, they have this for the SEC for men and women. And for men and women, Tennessee won for both across all sports. Um, yes. I will tell you, I, I'll start with the team I know the most about. Okay? Okay. Alabama went to a New Year's Six Bowl, which they won. Um, finished in the top five in football. Went to a Final Four in women's soccer, ranked number one for half the season. Won the conference in football and basketball for the second time in the last three years in both. They won it for the second time in the last three years, which is pretty pretty good. Um, wheelchair basketball, national champs, men's and women's. Whoa. 
yeah what's up with that wheelie taggart um that's too much but uh no i think there i think there's like florida obviously is really good like track and field arkansas is, is great with like cross country track and field all these other things and and like florida just I, won golf yeah so florida just won golf also so here's how you have to look at it too i think that like are you looking at like tennessee across the board new year's six bowl game super regional or college world series uh sweet 16 i think in basketball pretty sure mm-hmm. um yeah they lost i think to fau i don't remember but either way they're like the only school or one of i think they're the only school in the country that did that um across the board they had really good athletics they didn't win any titles so how do you um i think you gotta have at least one title under your belt to to be okay. able to proclaim yourself as the most successful program I mean, there's not, it's not a downplay what Tennessee's done, but I mean, you know, if you want to start adding things like that, you could certainly add LSU, like their football team went to the SEC championship game. Um, and I mean, they put up 30 plus points against Georgia. Not that that's, you, you don't want to applaud losing, but I mean, that's, they had a, they had a great, uh, season on the field for football as well. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, pretty, pretty good basketball program. I mean, um, they'll, they'll get under their feet from the Will Wade stuff, but I mean, I think I don't think there's really an argument at this point that LSU is is the number one sports program in the SEC. Yeah, I don't I don't think I mean because because I think it, this was like also for men's and women's. Um, yeah, uh, I think that winning a title in a men's sport and major women's sport, and like let's not forget, like late November they were ranked fifth. They had um, they had everything in front of them. Still, so sorry um, to to like make the playoff and stuff like that. Um, Basketball for them is usually good. They were they had a down year. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think if you're talking about just being above average or good at everything, Tennessee wins like the ADD award for that. Like you're not great at anything, but you're above average at a lot. And Tennessee, I can I can definitely um, understand that. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, you got to win some fucking titles, man. I thought one of the coolest things I saw was seeing Dylan Cruz. Angel Reese, and then obviously Burrow was twenty nineteen. But the whole thing about the ring, like that, that is awesome. That yeah. was awesome. Seeing all three, like that, and that's like that's a picture that will like stand the test of time. Like that, that's like a that's a generational thing that will that people will remember forever. Yeah. So they were giving Angel Reese the credit for that, but I mean Burrow was the first. I thought she did that because of Burrow. I think she did it because of Caitlin Clark. I think she was like talking shit about Caitlin. Clark and like oh okay okay I could be wrong but I mean like either way like the the cigar thing that was Burrow for sure yeah. and again I go back to the thing the the fact that like if you've never been to Baton Rouge which you haven't been right no and I was telling Dan I, I mean it's just it's a must but here's my question to you I, I asked Dan and he was so do you go for like a huge game knowing that it's going to be like an awesome atmosphere for the game, but it's also going to be pretty miserable trying to like go out and do things in the town to get a sense of like the full Baton Rouge experience. Or do you go so, to a lesser game? So you, cause I, I don't, I, I personally, I'd like, I'd love to go to a night game, but I don't want to go to a night yeah. game. That's like LSU versus Southern university Fuck where that, it's no. a 70 to seven game. But yeah. then the town is a, like a little less lively, so you can actually go out and enjoy yourself. Yeah, you you think that I'm on the right path there? Like, just go to the biggest game you can. I go to the biggest game you can always. <laughs> like, I mean, but, but yeah. here's the thing: 
Um, I've been to Baton Rouge now three times, I want to say. I've never been out now that I think about it in Baton Rouge. Because the first year me and Connor went, we stayed okay. in, in New Orleans. And then the last time I was there with Mickey, I don't remember most of it, but like that was like a late <laughs> game. But I remember <laughs> I got in at like 1245. It was like a fucking 11 hour drive for me for some reason. It should have been like seven at most. And I was like, I'll turn this this blank into a nightmare. So I was like, no, it's fine. So I, we got there and went straight to the casino. So I don't like, but like the tail, like the thing about going out in Baton Rouge is like, if, if I'm going to experience Baton Rouge, it's not that I'm experiencing death Valley. Like I'm going to tailgate. I want to mm. see all the tailgating stuff. I want to see them walked in. I want to see them come out of the tunnel. I want to, I want to hear Colin Baton Rouge. I don't give a shit about going to fucking like, Tiger, what's it called? Um, I feel like such an idiot right now. Freds, I don't really care about that. I like, I, I just, mm-hmm. especially now that I'm 37, like, it's like, let's just go to see the stadium. I, what we need to do is put in place a, like a bucket list game, like we used to do, and go to one this year, whether it's Florida State or LSU. I think, I think we have not, and I don't want to go to that game because that's in Orlando, but I say we go to one of those things no, and no. just commit to doing it and, and, and then go. Yeah. Well, I, so I'm going to Florida State, Miami. So, and I'm trying, I, I think we could, maybe all three of us, me, you, and Dan, try to get down for that game. When is and that? I'd love to what go to Baton Rouge. Uh, I'll look it up. Miami, Florida State. November 11th? It's usually Better late in the year, yeah. Pretty fucked up. Um, yeah, that's my bad. That's the week, I think, Bama, Kentucky, so I'd be down for that. Anyway. Um, um, gotta pee. So, yeah, speaking of that, I mean, there's... Uh, quite a few future game uh, odds that came out on DraftKings. Yeah. I, well, I started thinking about this because of your boy, Bud Elliott. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is these, these lines right here. First of, first off, they don't have high limits. I don't think you can put a lot of money yeah. on these games because really truthfully, these are kind of just best guesses. So right. they're not going to let you bet a ton. Um, but like there's a ton here, um, that we could go through. Um, I don't know if you want to just go week by week. I don't know how you want to do this, but I wanted to go through some of these, see what stood out to you. So I had, I had two, two ideas here and that was this, um, we were talking about winning, uh, hold on. This is for, okay. So we were talking about long shots and Buddy Lee did this video where he was talking about how like, you know, these, these odds come out and you have like these long shots and blah, blah, blah. Um, and one of the things he was talking about was the fact that like, there were a lot of games last year that were double digits, you know, two, three scored games. Um, and they ended up being losses. Like they, they, these odds come out in May, June, July. Um, and he went through a couple of them and, and like one of them was, I think Oklahoma, Kansas State was like 11 and a half. Bama was like a 14 point favorite in the, in the middle of the summer uh, for that game. Um, didn't see any with Georgia. I'm trying to think of the other ones that stood out, but like there were several that came out. Ohio like, State hey. was like a 16, 17 point favorite over Michigan. Yeah. And then, because yeah. uh, that was a home game too, right? So they have all these different games. And he was like, listen, all these games are one on the field. Let's enjoy this, blah, blah. And I get what he was trying to do, but it also made me excited because you start looking at some of these long shots, like betting on the Heisman. This is something Connor has done that's done a really good job of, which is like, okay, betting on the Heisman this early is fucking stupid every single year. Um, he didn't say that word, obviously, but like, it's mm-hmm. stupid because like none of them have, like, the favorites have either never won or rarely won. 
So what I want to do is look at some of the long shot bets for games and in general that I thought were good bets. All right. So let's start maybe towards the first part of the year. Um, what what lines that have been released thus far stand out to you as maybe a good bet right now? Um, well, I'm glad you asked because... A lot of people are on LSU minus two and a half over Florida State, by the way. I'm not touching that because I think Florida State has a good chance of winning that game. Um, I will yeah. say the one that stands out to me from the most, if we're talking about from the beginning, and I'm not going to give you a game, I'm going to give you a long future bet. Penn State to okay. win the Big Ten plus 475 or Big Ten East. Penn State is... Supposed to be their year. I like you've brought this up a bunch. It is plus 600. So here, here's the bet. Penn State, whoever wins the East is going to win the conference. Like I don't see anybody coming out of the West this year because Wisconsin's probably still a year or two away. Nebraska's got a first-year coach. The rest of those teams kind of suck in general. Illinois will play good defense, but I don't think they have much coming back. Also, a program that's really putting money and, and stuff like that into their program. Illinois is something to keep an eye out for the next couple of years, the way they're like investing and putting resources into there. But anyway... So for for Penn State to win the Big Ten East, it's plus 475. For Penn State to win the Big Ten, it's plus 600. I love that because the other two, like like Ohio State and Michigan, I think, are are both under plus 120 to win the Big Big Ten East. One of those three teams is going to win that division, right? And it makes more sense to lay the the extra, you know, plus 125 if you're going to bet on Penn State anyway. Um but that's a team with with a coach that has a hundred plus wins. You got a bunch of talent coming back. You've got a really good backfield. You got a former five star quarterback coming in, probably the most talented quarterback you've had, um, like from a ratings wise since Christian Hackenberg. And Hackenberg, like, you know, I would assume this guy's probably better just because what we saw with Hackenberg. I love Penn State to like from those numbers. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, Ohio State's also replacing a QB. Um, Michigan retains not only their QB, but Blake Corum. So they should, yeah. in theory, I think, be the the favorite. But I like that. I mean, I like, especially at those odds. I mean, that, that's that's crazy to me. Um, how about Tennessee and Florida? Uh, seven and a half for Tennessee in the Swamp? Love that. You like that? I See, because... I, Look, I try not to be biased, but I mean, I just kind of feel like Florida. I, I know they're putting it together off the field when it comes to recruiting, but man, on the field, I just don't know if this year is it. No, and and like, I think that see when you would what worries me about like Tennessee is they're going to be so much better defensively, most likely. I I don't know if you watched Joe Milton at the high at the uh, Manning Passing Academy, but. I just don't care about it. I just don't care about it. He threw the ball 80 yards in the air. And I hate to be this. I'm, I know this is Anthony Richardson 2.0 with what I'm saying, but he threw the ball 80 yards in the air. I, I think the most, if there's a way to put money on the fact that Joe Milton would be a first round draft pick, I would put any amount of money that someone else has on it because I think that, that that's a lot. I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad bet though. It's seven and a half. They are, the history is not on your side. For meaning Florida is the bet. No, I mean, ten, I mean, I think Tennessee is the bet, but I'm just saying history's on your side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What other, any specific games to start the year that you like on this list? The one that I like more than anything, like more than anything on this entire board for the whole season, is Bama at Auburn. 
Bama covering 14. And I love Auburn plus 14. Love it. You look at the numbers they have in Jordan Hare. And, and like, I know everyone's going to talk. Like, this is becoming like a sexier and sexier pick. I've said that I think that it's something where they could possibly lose. Because you look at that schedule for Auburn, there's a very real chance that Auburn comes into that game with five straight wins. It's also a very real chance that with way, the way Bama's schedule is, I know they get everyone at home, but if they're two or three losses and they are sitting on the outside of that playoff picture, let's say it's two losses and they're, they're not going to get into the playoff, you wonder what that looks like going into Jordan-Hare. And you look at the games they played in Jordan-Hare, 16 total games, Bama is 6-10 and 10 against Auburn and Jordan-Hare. Only It's a 14-point spread, Tyler. Only three of those wins of the six were by 14-plus points. Only two of the six – I'm sorry. Um, only three of the, 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 the six wins – I'm sorry. Three of those games were by 14-plus uh, points. For, for either side, right? One yeah. was like in 2000, it was 2001, I think was one of them. 2012 was, or 2011 was another one. Um, and then they won by 16 in 2015, okay? So three of them were by, by 14 plus points. Um, those games, man, have been way closer than than like, like on both sides. Only four of the uh, the total of 16 were by over um, over 10 points from either team. That's always a close game. I just think that there's, I, I think there's too much on that. And it's, if, if Auburn comes in at like with any kind of life, that's gonna be a nightmare for Bama. How about uh, Saturday, October twenty first, Utah plus seven at USC. Love that. And when are we gonna learn? Was that? When are we gonna learn uh, on Utah in the Pac twelve in general? So I was gonna tell you too. The other thing I like about the Pac twelve. Utah's plus four fifty to win the conference, or plus five hundred to win the conference. They had the fourth worst or fourth best odds. Haven't they won it the last two years? Yeah, they have. <laughs> they have. Also, shout out to the guy on Twitter this week who told me I was a fucking moron for picking Utah to make the playoff last year. And I was like, wait, didn't they make the Rose Bowl for the second year? And they beat USC, who had a chance to go. I mean, but yeah, when are we going to learn, Tyler? That's a really good pick. Um. Another one that stood out to me, um, <clears throat> let's see, Whew, there's some good ones on here, uh, Tennessee plus eight at home against Georgia. Mm, I'm not touching that. What do you think about that? Georgia. Georgia I mean, <laughs> bro, Georgia won, I think it ended up the year by an average of 46 points per game in, in ranked mm. opponents. Are they scored 46 points per game? I, either way, man, I can't. Come on. I, I'm not. I just. Yeah. That doesn't seem smart to, to bet can we them. Can we break from this for a second? Let me ask your opinion on something else. This is related because it came out today. And I know this is, we're trying to be more structured, okay. but it also doesn't matter. Um, and we're winding up the show anyway. Two things we have to talk about before we end the show. <laughs> the Titanic thing, which was interesting, um, to say oh. the least. But then also, did you see that Jim Harbaugh announced that Michigan um, added a beat Georgia part of their practice? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sorry to laugh. Yeah, that's – I'm guessing they didn't want that one out to the media. <laughs> I, yeah, you got to wonder, right? What were, so what were your thoughts on it, though, for real? 
I mean, I get it, but you lost a TCU. You didn't even get to play Georgia last year. Mm-mm. You did the like, year before. It's true, but I mean, let's just focus on maybe beating TCU first. Yeah, I mean, and the year before that, I think they lost to, like, what was it, Michigan State? Yeah, I don't think they need to be focused on Georgia. I get it. You're, you want Georgia's considered the top team right now, and maybe that's what that was. I don't yeah. know if they would have a, a beat Alabama period if uh, Bama won the championship last year. But they didn't even play him last year. It's just so weird. I, I, It is weird. It is weird. And I tell you what, I hate to say it because he's a good coach, but if it wasn't Harbaugh, I feel like I would take it more seriously. Like, yeah. He's a good coach, and he's done really well the past two seasons, and he's going to do well this season. This is this is if you're Michigan, this is your window. This is your window to win a title because next year you got to play Texas, you got to play that. You add USC and UCLA to the schedule. This year is like the last year you really don't have to play anybody. This this is your window, but you, man, I tell you, the one thing I wouldn't want to do because because if the only way you're going to play him, Tyler, is if you're on a collision course when it matters most. And we've seen mm-hmm. what Georgia has done to Michigan and everyone else over the past few seasons. I I just... Kirby was able to get that entire fucking locker room to rally around a false narrative about them going 7-5 and five after winning a national championship. You think you're going to give him bulleted board material and that's a good idea? No. No, it's not no, a good idea, Chris. We know this. No. Um, well, let's, let's finish up talking about Ocean's Gate. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Would you, uh, so would you ever think about doing something like that? Going on a sub like 13,000 feet under the, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Why anyone, anyone would have any want to do that. I mean, we've gone, we've never, we don't go to that, the depths of, of the ocean like that for, for a reason. Um, like we go in space, we've we've gone real far up there, Chris. But yeah, I mean, space doesn't have sharks or uh, well, maybe it does. Uh, I the ability the for. Go ahead. Oh, well, what do you mean you haven't seen the latest? I mean, everybody's I was dead. the latest Fast and Furious movie that's come out. So oh, I don't know okay. if there's <laughs> okay. sharks or Sharknado. But like, yeah, I I don't. I no. Is the answer is no. <laughs> if I had. If I had $250,000, and now that I wouldn't spend it on drugs or gambling, I would say I would probably spend it on not that. I would, I, I mean, what, what is, I just don't see what, like, if it was like, hey, we're going to go down to the bottom of the ocean, and we're going to see the Meg, I would still say no, but I would be intrigued. But the way they did this whole thing, and they were like, like at every step of the way, they were like, "How could we not take this to the level of seriousness it needs? How can we take this less serious than, than the the step before?" I think controlling it with a a game like a remote control from a gaming console is probably where I would have drawn the line, and I would say, "You know what? I'm going to take the 250 and go invest in Bitcoin, maybe." Okay, you know that the the, the, the irony of that, the irony of that is that it was that was the only thing that 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 remained that's the only thing they found intact no was the game i did not hear that yes oh my god there's pictures so ominous and just awful 
Oh God. Yeah. There were pictures of it and it was, and I, I think I heard Trevor Wallace say this. He's like a really funny comedian. He, he brought up today. He's like, I've never yeah. seen a tragedy to meme ratio happen faster, which is true. And it's, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, people lost their lives and this, that is, that part is terrible. But like what I don't feel sorry for in this situation, what, what is comical to me is that like they laid all this stuff out and it was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We got this from a camping world. And like every single, and they just joked about it. Like it was not like if I told you tomorrow, I was like, Hey, listen, you ever seen the movie radio flyer? Uh, it's like real sad movie. It's real sad. Or not. That's radio, right? Different, but both radio flyers more like closer in tune to my life where there's like, it's this really sad story with this kid who grows up in a, terrible home and he's like i'm gonna fly away and he's like you can't do that bobby not before your stepdad gets home but he's like he's like i'm gonna make a a plane out of a radio flyer wagon like if i told you let's let's go to space like fast and furious but i was like we're gonna really do this i made i made a i got a saturn or like a geo prism and i strapped some rockets to the back of it we're gonna go to space you'd be like nah it's kind of fucking stupid we're not gonna do that there's not even a Bucky's on the way out to space. So why would I do that? But to the bottom of the ocean to see a wreck that, that drowned 110 years ago, people were like, take all my money. Yeah, I don't think you could pay me 250000 to get in a little contraption like that and uh, no. go down to the bottom of the ocean. Sorry. Um, all right. In typical off-season fashion, we, we ended with some Titanic talk. Uh, that's the end of the show. Uh, yeah. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Uh, it would help us a lot if, uh, and really the growth of the show in general, if you'd rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave a review, just like Mike I Matt did. He said, uh, on a Peter, if you love college football and comedy, this is the show for you. Chris and Tyler are hilarious all the time and give really good takes on upcoming games as well as breaking down the games from the week prior in the most comical way. Glad I found this show, and it's always on my weekly listens for football. Go dogs. Also, Chris, Will Levis at QB or a bag of candy corn? So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we appreciate that that, that review there. Um, and go like and subscribe to our YouTube page. Don't forget to check out the SDS Podcast Weekly with Connor O'Gara. And check out all of our videos and clips from the show at Satdown South on Twitter, Saturday Down South on Instagram and TikTok, and at Saturday Down South 1 on YouTube. For Chris, I'm Tyler. We appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, we will talk to you next week.